Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music.
Frank Gore just mentioned recently within this past hour that he is retiring from the NFL. So what we see is what we have at the end of the day. He will be retiring as a San Francisco 49er, so thank goodness that gets to happen because majority of his career he was a Niner. But at the end of the year, at the end of his career, they started uh, moving him from team to team. And uh, I understand that he had yardage in certain situations, but I think the bulk of what he put up, especially where he is on the the, uh, all-time career rushing list, uh, is where he is at this point in time. So Frank Gore, I I definitely love this guy because he's a former Miami Hurricane. And I also met him in person, uh, I think, back in 2009. Uh, it was an, a 49er game versus Buffalo, and we actually stayed at the same hotel. So we were in the same hotel hanging out, man. So this is one that literally is, you know, close and dear to me because when we, you know, we kicked it, we talked and started throwing the U up and, like, bragging about Miami talk, things of that nature. So it was just great to, like, meet Frank. And uh, at this time, he was with Vernon Davis. This was the whole 49er clique. They all stayed at the same hotel. Uh, this was the team hotel. uh in Buffalo in 2009, uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, That's one. But Frank Gore, illustrious career, uh, top five rusher all-time on this list, too. I thought he might be able to go catch the bigger names. Um, I think he's a few yards behind uh, Emmett and company, but he did a good job. It's just he couldn't find a fit that worked for him, especially when they put him in Buffalo and they put him in New York with the Jets. It wasn't a team – those two teams weren't running the ball what he needed to have happen, you know, to try to catch these guys. So I have to get that Frank Gore situation out there. There's also another quick topic that I do want to get out there. Tiger Woods is slowly progressing. Um, He's been out on golf courses uh, playing with his son. He actually is in Augusta. Uh, They are running that course as best as possible. They said that he's mentioning that he's a game time decision for the masters, which takes place this week. So, it would be interesting to see him get out there and just compete. But another thing to see him get out there and be in the top 10, I don't want to just say, you know, be ahead of the leaderboard. If he does that, then this guy is just really miraculous. But um, just to see him go out there and compete and do the best that he can. And I know he's trying to get back to the way he was and he's still young. I think Tiger Woods at this point in time is uh, 75. I think he'll be, 47 in December. I think his birthday is December 30th, if I'm not mistaken. So he does have time before he hits 47. So he's still fairly young compared to a lot of golfers that have played into their 50s, 60s, and some played into their 70s. So he does have a good amount of time left in him on that. Um, but, yeah, so so let me get into at least the NBA scores that took place yesterday because I'm like I, Christmas is almost over, and I, I, I got to be like, the uh, spoiled brat that's mad. I don't want it to end. And I'm looking at all the food on the table and, oh, man, all of the family around, and they're going home one by one. And, you know, it's only four people still left at the table eating. There's still gifts around and two more people left. So I I can't really spoil too much of Christmas. So I got to, you know, deal with this as it comes. So in the NBA situation, the scores go as follows. The 76ers win their matchup at home up against the Charlotte Hornets, 144-114, to winning by 30. In Pennsylvania, uh, Bridges goes off for 20 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Joel Embiid has a 29.14 rebound effort and six assists. 
Uh, this is very interesting as we come to the latter part of the season, and he's one of the names at the top of the leaderboard for uh, scoring title. So we'll see if MB can hang on to this. But I must say, not only is this an MVP season, he's doing a lot of work. Like, not only just scoring the ball and rebounding, but they're actually trying to win games. So the one thing about Philadelphia, they're up and down. There's no real consistency for this team, but he is the consistent cog that these teams have to try to figure out how they slow down a beast like Joel Embiid. I got to give him credit for what he's been able to do at this point in time. Uh, The next matchup I have is the Cleveland Cavaliers go into the garden up against the New York Knicks, win their matchup 119 to 101, in which uh, Garland goes off for 24 points and 13 assists, and Obi Toppin has a 20-point night and four rebounds with four assists and a losing effort. Now, this next game is the one that actually gets under my skin about the situation, but I'll come back to it. The Atlanta Hawks win their matchup up against the Brooklyn Nets, 122-115, to 115, in which Trey Young, in a winning effort, goes off for 36 points, 10 assists, and 6 rebounds. Kevin Durant goes off for 55 points, a career high, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists in a losing effort. We also have the Miami Heat winning their matchup up against the Chicago Bulls and beating them pretty handily, 127-109 in Chicago. Jimmy Butler goes off for 22 points, 7 rebounds, and 6 assists. And Zach Levine has 33 points, excuse me, 5 rebounds and 2 assists in a losing effort. Um, I want to know what team we have here, like the, the consistency of Miami and Chicago. Both of these guys are, are playing with the public or, or the people that watch the game, if you will. And uh, the last one I have here are the Golden State Warriors winning their matchup up against the Utah Jazz, 111-107, to in which Mike Conley has 26 points, 5 rebounds, and 8 assists in a losing effort. Clay Thompson rears back and finds himself 36 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists in a winning effort at home and getting everybody back into the game. Now, this is interesting because I said I did want to go back to the topic of you know, how the game went down in the Hawks and the Nets situation. Uh, but um, the one thing I'm thinking about is the consistency of the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are a good team. Uh, we thought that they would probably be at the top of the Eastern Conference, you know, bracket, if you will. They are not there, and they had to deal with so much, and I think it's more or less of a situation that happened uh, with the injuries and also with the, the COVID pandemic situation that they're having to deal with and Kyrie only being able to play games away from New York City for a certain amount of time. Now that the uh, the ban is kind of – well, the ban has been lifted, Kyrie's able to play at home, and now it's kind of like they get to play as a full unit. But all of this happened before and after James Harden. So before James Harden, this madness was happening, James Harden ends up leaving you have a situation in where Kyrie has to, you know, get acclimated to the uh, situation of being with the team, so on and so forth. He's playing on the road, having good games, and now he's able to play 100% with the team. This team bothers me so much because they do not play defense. I I don't know what Brooklyn is going to do moving forward, especially into this postseason. It's great to see them score. It's great to have, you know, big names like Kyrie and KD excite the crowd, but they can't continue to play basketball and take the ball out of their net and think like, okay, well, you score, we'll score, 
and as soon as you miss, we'll grab a rebound and make you pay for it. That's not defense. That's not basketball. Like, that's not a winning way. For them to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, I, I get it. it. At least the mindset that I was using, I was like, well, hey, Brooklyn might be trying to stay below five so they can get the edge on having away games so Kyrie can play more with the team. Now that they're at the eight seed, it's more or less a situation where, okay, how long do you want to play this game? Do you guys really want to be a part of a play and end up losing and don't get into a postseason run? That's the one thing that bothers me. But if they're not going to play defense, stuff like this is going to happen in which Kevin Durant ends up putting his career-high night up and they lose. And um, this is happening a lot. Just think, he had a 49-point game against the Bucks, and then they come around and in a deciding game, they lose. They they lost. So it's like, where do they get the defense from? Where does the help come from? Uh, they brought Goran Dragic in there to kind of help them, and I thought he would be a scoring lift. Patty Mills is another uh, sharpshooter, and I thought that would be another additional scoring lift as well. Uh, these guys get lost in translation. There's no real consistency there. So it, it can't just be, oh, you score, we score. You guys have to get stops. You have to get it from somewhere. And this is the same situation that happened last year with Joe Harris, uh, who was supposed to be their uh, go-to shooter, could not knock down shots the way that they wanted him to. And everybody was in a question mark situation on what do they do uh, with a guy like Joe Harris. So this has to happen as soon as possible because April is now here. The postseason is, let's just say, two weeks away. Let's just be fair about it and say it's two weeks away and you guys are in the play-in. So if you guys lose the game in the play-in, you guys are basically facing – being put out of the playoffs before anything could happen. So hopefully Brooklyn puts this together as soon as possible. I know they're probably, you know, saying that we got this under control. I wouldn't want to play around like that. I would rather be comfortable as best as possible. You don't know if you're going to be home or away, so on and so forth. I'm not comfortable with this situation. Even though Kyrie did end up putting up 31 points last night, he shot 12 for 32 last night, Um, even though – uh, he hit seven out of 14 threes. He was 50% from three, but he wasn't too good from the field. So I think this is the only ammunition they had, being 31 points from Kyrie and 55 from KD. That's a total of 86 between the two of them. That's an awesome night. But for them to lose a game to Atlanta, and Atlanta is actually trying to play a lot of these games to survive, they are surging. The, the Hawks are on a five-game winning streak at this point in time, too. So this is something to watch closely. Uh, as Atlanta tries to make face for this playing situation also. Um, another situation that I do want to talk about is what happens with the Los Angeles Lakers at this point in time. Um, they can no longer play games. They have to try to win out as best as possible. Um, the one thing that bothers me about this scenario is uh, you look at LeBron and the, the team, He's actually playing well. He's actually scoring the ball efficiently or uh, scoring enough. I don't know if I could just, just throw out the word efficiently loosely, but um, this guy is scoring close to 30 points a game. Um, he's going out there and doing his work, but they're losing games. If this is the winning potential that they want, I don't know if uh, they can continue to go in a positive direction with this team or roster even even going into next season. It doesn't matter if they make the play-in or not this season. Unless they really storm back and 
knock off a higher seed in the, as of, you know, completing a playing game and having a series and, I don't know, playing either the Grizzlies or the Suns, that's another thing. But I wouldn't want to, like, be at the bottom of the situation where they could still – in a way game. I feel like they still can do it. It's something about the way that they are right now that I'm not totally conceding and saying, you know what, they can't make it happen. Like, uh, I, I still feel like they got that shock value to them as long as LeBron and AD are together. Now they're both healthy. If they're in the play I feel like they could steal somebody's home court advantage and uh, try to steal a series. So that's the one thing I don't want to buy into with the Lakers suffering this bad. But where they are at this point in time, this this is not comfortable for me uh, with them being 15 games. That's right, 15 games under 500. This is a LeBron James-led team. There was something that was actually said that said, uh, do you look at LeBron as one of the greats, right? And, of course, I would say yes, right, of course. Uh, over 30,000 points, over 10,000 rebounds, over 10,000 assists, right? But for this stuff to be happening in the latter point of his career and the control that he has on a lot of his situation is a question mark on some different networks that actually threw this out there. So uh, looking at the scenario, I I don't know um, if Brooklyn is able to hang on. They are a game back from the Spurs. The Spurs actually have the Trailblazers today, which is a favorable matchup, and they just beat the uh the Blazers by a good amount uh, just as recent as a Friday. Uh, the Lakers have an interesting game up against the Nuggets. This is in L.A. We will see if they are able to have a good matchup. I, I, I don't know. I, I really favor the Lakers in this, and they got to get started. They, they can't sit here sluggish. They just lost against the Pelicans. The Pelicans have actually started to pull away uh, in this scenario. I don't know. I don't know what we see. If, if, and they keep trying to pin this to Russell Westbrook. It's a team unit. I, I can't even, oh, well, Russ do this, Russ do No, everybody's involved. Um, this Lakers situation has gotten sad. Uh, I think it's a more or less a situation where they have to win right now. Uh, I think they have to win out. I think they have to win all five remaining to uh, put pressure on the Spurs and the Pelicans because they are now three back from the Pelicans as the Pelicans beat them on Friday, and if they, I think the Spurs, if the Spurs win, like, more than three games, I think they lock the Lakers out. So we, this is something that we have to watch closely. I I want to see the debate or the discussion at the end of the season if the Lakers do or do not make the postseason run because there will be a lot said here. And, Sports City, I did have it wrong with – the the current losing situation for the Brooklyn Nets, they are now the tenth seed. Uh, with them losing to the Hawks, they are tied uh, with the Hornets nine and ten. The Hornets have the tiebreaker, so they're nine, and the Brooklyn Nets are ten, so they're locked in. So they are the tenth seed for the uh, playing their forty and thirty eight in the Eastern Conference. Um, they have to get this together. I, I'm not accepting this by any means. Now that I'm looking at the standings across the board, with the, especially the way that that loss happened, and this jumps the Hawks up to eighth right now. Um, yeah, this, this is puzzling to me <laughs> across the board. I, I do not think Brooklyn. This is this is this is troubling. This is troubling. I, I really want to see KD get help. I can't put it all on. Russ or KD, and I'm, you know, I, I kind of watch these guys with a, you know, a side lens 
because of where they came from. They came from an organization that I support, but I never thought it would be like this. I don't think KD's going to remain a Brooklyn Net. I think within the next two seasons, he'll probably be gone. That's that's something that is troubling to me. So um, we'll watch this closely as time goes on. Uh, but, yeah, this, this is a situation where 7 through 10 is interesting. Hopefully the Cavaliers get their swagger back as they actually put a win together, as I mentioned. Um, they are now sitting – Two games back from the sixth seed to catch the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls are also another team that I'm looking at right now while looking at the standings on them actually being fool's gold. There's no consistency in Chicago. I wonder how this will play out for the Chicago Bulls. Um, looking at the Western Conference side of the situation, um, I, I just don't know. I really feel <laughs> – I'm going to say this, Sports City. I think Memphis is actually the team to beat. As good as the Suns play, they are the team that everybody's, you know, consistently talking about. Um, you know, they got a situation where Booker's actually playing as strong as he played last year. Chris Paul is coming back through injury and still looking like himself. Uh, that team is actually bought into everything that Monty uh, pressed them from last season as well. But it's just something about Memphis that they are actually finding a way to win these games while their star and leader is out. Uh, if they could get this consistent play across the board going into the playoffs, I, I feel like the, the Grizzlies could damage a lot of people's dreams. But it depends on how this pans out in the play-in. If they end up bumping into one of those L.A. teams, if the Lakers could get back into this, it'll be a – I feel like they're dangerous if they're down there. Or um, the Clippers as well, because now Paul George is back. Hopefully they can actually come back and play stronger basketball. Um, they said that Kawhi may come back for the last game of the season and then uh, try to get into the playing game situation as well or play in the playoffs also. I, I don't know if that's something smart to do, especially while he's one of the organizational players, uh, one of the faces as well, especially while Kawhi sat out the entire season while everybody basically in midseason or playoff form. So this is a scary situation. And also, with Golden State waiting for Steph to come back. Steph has been shut down for the entire regular season, but will be back for the playoffs. Hopefully he doesn't get too rusty because it is a ankle sprain, so he's not able to run as best as he can. I know he's trying to heal that up as best as possible with all of the hyperbaric situations or, you know, any type of icing or anything that they're trying to do to get the ankles better. But Steph Curry's ankles have been bad throughout the entirety of his career in the NBA. And he's older now. He's 34 years old. So they have to watch this closely to see if he's, you know, able to be ready for playoff form while, you know, a lot of these teams in the West aren't playing around. And they, you know they're going to give their best of, uh, to the Warriors because the Warriors have actually been playing strong ball up until this point. Uh, I, I want to say for the entirety of the a decade of the 2010s until now. So you're going to get strong effort out of them. I just don't know if the Warriors are built for a championship run. Um but they did take care of the Utah Jazz. That's another team that I'm I'm questioning uh, in this playoff run. I'm not comfortable with them, even though they have good players there. Um, I just don't feel like they're a Western Conference final team. I, I feel like they can win games and make it interesting, but I don't feel like at the end of the day that they knock players off or knock teams off, excuse me, while they have players on their roster that are liabilities, including somebody that I respect and love because he's from my area, and Donovan Mitchell, uh, him being a smaller shooting guard, it actually hurts them because his defensive situation is uh, 
questionable, um, especially when he goes up against guards that are bigger than him. They actually have a scoring advantage. So uh, this is something that they have to watch out for. They're 50. They are now lined up against the Dallas Mavericks. If the Mavericks were to go up against the Jazz, I think Dallas would finally get past the first round with Luka Doncic. If Luka gets past the first round, that's like the weight lifted off his shoulders. If Luka does not get out of the first round, though, I'm looking at Luka's situation like he is Tracy McGrady. Sorry. I'm sorry. If he can't get out of the first round, the first two times he lost to the Clippers and they were attacking his feet, it wasn't like I'm blaming, you know, just him, but when those games started counting, they were making sure that the switch happened at the top and it was him that they were attacking and they were getting the the scores happening that way and uh, forcing them to try to make, you know, erratic shots or scoring as that type of clip, and it, it set Dallas back. So hopefully this happens as soon as possible. Okay, so I am going to get away from the NBA because I cannot sit and wait any longer. I have to get into this college basketball as best as I possibly can. Uh, a little over a half hour left. The call number is 929-477-2759. Okay, I do have Mr. Harvey in the building. Sorry that I did not see this. I was reading Hello, Mr. Harvey. How are you feeling this morning? I'm good, man. I can't really complain. A little bit uh, late finishing up something this morning, so I'm over here with you for uh, over half the balance of the show, man. And uh, it's a pleasure and privilege to be here anytime I can be. So thanks again for having me. And once again, my apologies for the late arrival. Okay, so we'll get into the final four and jump into it just as we need to. The first game that went down was the Villanova Wildcats losing this matchup to the Kansas Jayhawks, eighty-one to sixty-five. Uh, the it was blatant to see this. Kansas definitely took care of the paint and sealing them off, but I think it got infectious once they seen that they couldn't deal with McCormick and company. I think the shooting became a, a surplus and everybody started knocking down shots. Braun is one of their uh, perimeter players. He didn't have any points in the first half. He ended up putting up double digits of scoring in the second half. I think a lot of the confidence was built within that uh, university and organization, shall I say, with the Kansas Jayhawks. They are now at the doorstep of the national championship. Their ticket is punched. Uh, I feel bad for Villanova because they had a player being out with more um, in scoring, we had Slater, who led this team with 16 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. McCormick had 25 points, 9 rebounds, and 1 assist. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the matchup between Kansas and Villanova and how they move forward? Yeah, I mean, you wonder, Illinois is still a deep team, but you wonder how much that injury is going to come back. And then, you know, I thought Kansas – did a really good job. They jumped up on, on Villanova very, very early. We looked up, I think it was like 7 to nothing, 11 to 1, 11 to 2, something like that. And so I felt like Villanova was, was always kind of trying to climb back in. You know what I'm saying? Like they had it up as much as like 19 the first half, and Nova got it back close to like 11. And but Kansas, like like I said, they were able to jump up early, and for the most part, even though it, you know, Nova was able to to crack into a time or or reduce it, but 
Kansas jumped up, had that lead, and for the most part, they they were able to protect it. And uh, like, listen, man, Villanova will be back. They had they had one guy go down. They were still a deep and talented basketball team. There are a lot of teams that, after going down early, might not have showed the same fight. But Nova was like, "Uh, uh-uh, you're not getting out of here like this." And so. Uh, I thought Nova showed a lot of fight. We saw a little bit of um, Candace Lake kind of separating the score back out. But this is a 16-point score. Uh, like I said, at times it was a little bit more. But it was still an entertaining basketball game. The fight, the good by Villanova to stay in this thing, um, did impress me. Yeah, I, I just, this is the one thing that actually I never really like countered to look at. Uh, Jay Wright, he has the bigs when they play the four, the five. They're no taller than like six ten. I, I, I can't even really think of a big that he's had that six ten. I think that a lot of them are six nine or like a big body six eight that can step out and knock down a shot. And um, it it showed. Uh, McCormick had his way in the paint, and every time that they did a screen and roll, he's lined up against a, a guard that can't even handle it. Even if the big man tried to, like, transition back down there, he's smaller than McCormick, and McCormick was basically dominating the paint, and and, and it killed uh, Villanova. And I didn't think Villanova would get beat this bad, but I have to give Kansas their credit. I have to give Kansas their credit. Bill Self, you actually did your homework in mapping this out, especially uh, after the first half. The first half, actually, they were up 11 and really didn't lose that momentum while Villanova definitely fought back tooth and nail to get back into this, they still won that second half by five points, too. So I'm giving you the leg up right now, William Self. You have to knock down this national championship uh, with all of the talent that you've been able to bring in over the years um, and having a championship come back to Lawrence. I want to see if you can get the second one. The second game that we have on slate, North Carolina, I have to say this. This is an upset. <laughs> they upset their rival of all time, the biggest rivalry in college basketball, I have to say this. They knock off Duke 81-77. to 77. I, I did not see this coming. I was one of the people that thought that Coach K would be off to a, you know, sunset-ending situation. They win the national championship Coach K gets doused with Gatorade or whatever. I thought they had all bells and whistles for him. North Carolina had other plans. Hubert Davis, I'm taking this time right now to tip my hat. Apologize because I did not think that you would get this far in the season. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I did not think North Carolina was a Final Four team at all. They got here and finished the feat of knocking off Coach K, where he's he's one of the toughest. Probably the, to me, I think probably the best coach in college basketball history. Um, I mean, John Wooden is in the discussion. Dean Smith is in the discussion as well. But just looking at all Coach K was able to do for the past 42 years, he made that Duke University jersey look like a red and white bullseye and was able to be successful. Uh, five national championships in 42 seasons, he's averaging one every eight. You see what I mean? So um, every decade he's going to bring one back. I feel like he could have brought in more. He lost a lot of questionable games, especially in the big dance. But nevertheless, like I said, everybody wants to contend or play 
Coach K at their best. So I have to give North Carolina credit for actually accomplishing this feat. Mike, your thoughts on this as I look at the stats of this? Uh, Love, Caleb Love was the guy for North Carolina and actually withstanding a lot of what they did. 28 points, four rebounds, and one assist. And Paolo Ranchero finishing the game with 20 points, 10 rebounds, and two assists. Your thoughts on the game and the names mentioned and how they move forward. Uh, North Carolina winning this game 81-77. First of all, uh, Coach K did a lot for this sport. Appreciate what he's done. There have been some things, too, that he's said or done that uh, I would say is a little bit questionable. That's for another day. Uh, I have never really um, pulled for the Tar Heels in a basketball game uh, the way that I did last night. Congratulations to Hubert Davis and the North Carolina Tar Heels. Like you said, there were times this year that questioned what they were doing. They lost to Kentucky by 30 earlier in the season. North Carolina had some bad losses. This season, um, you could argue that and we have on this network that without that win at Cameron towards the end of the year, they may not even be in this in the big dance in the first place. Um, I think it's fitting that your career end on a loss to a rival in some ways the most bitter rival you've ever had. Um, actually, I don't think in some ways I think that you know, that North Carolina Duke rivalry for basketball is uh, some serious. So, uh, but I look at that that game. There's a few things that, that jump out. I um, I don't think that Duke was great from uh, the free throw line yesterday. I think they left some points on the floor, and I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that three-point shooting was fantastic yesterday either. I had to go back and see the, the numbers. But this uh, this North Carolina kind of has their number. I didn't see this coming. I, you know, We said earlier in the week that probably out of the four teams in the tournament, the team was getting the least res- amount of respect and the team that was people were calling the least likely to win the championship. Was the North Carolina Tar Heels, and now they are on the doorstep. They have they have uh, finalized all the all the last minute details. They were able to dot the I's, cross the T's, and they presented. Uh, to Coach K yesterday evening, his uh, his walking papers, and they said, "All you got to do is sign, and then uh, you have a nice career." So, thank you for playing, and uh, they were able to to nail that down yesterday. So, congratulations to the North Carolina Tar Heels, Coach K, and the Duke Blue Devils are going home. That makes me happy. Uh, one of the people who uh, was really headstrong in the shop 
we'll see how long it takes to uh, to have those things squared away uh, now that the results <laughs> are, uh, are in. So I'm looking forward to uh, the national title game. Pressure's off. Duke isn't going to win. So uh, now can Hubert Davis get his first and show you that the beat is going to continue to go on? Uh, for the North Carolina Tar Heels, or can Bill Self uh, finally get off that snide and, well, at least, uh, you know, add to, basically double his total of uh, of national championships. It'll be interesting to watch, uh, but at least I don't have uh, Duke and Coach K in that game tomorrow night. That's all I was hoping for walking into the Final Four. I know I'm in the minority in that, but hey, man, uh, it'll be fun to see. Uh, We still got two very much blue bloods in in college basketball that kind of, you know, interestingly enough, have a lot of history uh, between the two programs and are kind of interlocked in some ways, so. Uh, that'll be a fun title game with some fun storylines tomorrow night, and uh, I look forward to it. Well, one thing that I'm worried about with North Carolina is Armando Bacot. He rolled it, his ankle or tweaked something in his lower extremity. Um, I'm wondering if he's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be playing because it's the national championship. There's no way that I'm sitting out at this point in time unless his ankle is severely swollen. He can't come out here and compete. Um, but uh, that guard play has been helping them. Uh, Manic was a setback for North Carolina, uh, knowing that this guy's been a threat hitting threes at, at timely times in the game, and uh, he just wasn't there like fully. Like, of course, he came up with some scores here or there, but like uh, Paolo Banchero made it very tough for him on the defensive side of the ball, and him trying to figure that out. I feel like a lot of that left him. So he's he's going to have a big task in this next matchup. Uh, coming up in the national championship, which I'll dive into shortly. Um, Mike, I don't know how interested you are into this situation, but today, before I jump into the men's spectrum of the national championship, is the women's national championship in which the University of Connecticut takes on the University of South Carolina, Gino Auriemma versus Dawn Staley. All of the lights are abroad. Uh, I want to see how this goes down from Boston to Page and Seeing how these two duel, it's a guard versus a big, and they're not matched up specifically against one another. But these guys or these people are uh, Naismith contending players. They Everything is here. This is the game and matchup a lot of people want to see where I think South Carolina is more powerful, but the experience of Gino Auriemma, him being the evil genius, if you will, is, is pretty dicey at this point in time in which in a national championship he's 11 and 0 so this is this is a familiar territory for him here but you have a situation where Dawn Staley uh knows what she has to do to kind of make this a better situation for her resume because of you know Gino being the guy in front of her uh where he's the basically uh how do I say it more or less the cream of the crop you want to beat him and feel like you accomplished it and it's all lined up for her to get this done how do you feel about this national championship between South Carolina, uh, the women game cars versus the Lady Huskies of Connecticut? I'm excited to see this game. Uh, listen, 
I was talking to somebody in the barbershop on Friday night after all this was over. And it was a female, and I said, you know, I think we're going to have a pretty good game on Sunday. And I got given, like, well, don't you understand when they played earlier in November, you know, South Carolina beat them by 30-plus, and so I wouldn't be expecting much of a game. And I'm like, okay, uh, this person saying they know a lot about sports, but, you know, you might have the same people on the floor, but that's not always the same team come March slash April that you had in uh, November. You've had a lot of season, a lot of time to adjust and really uh, get a better feel for each other. I very rarely have I seen UConn show up on a national stage and not compete at a very, very high level. Uh, listen, I love Dawn Staley and what she's been able to do at, at South Carolina and the success that she has been able to have. Um, so, like, my my hopes are probably still going to go with that SEC in South Carolina and Dawn Staley. But, like I said, anytime time has been on this stage, he's got good game plans. He knows how to coach. So, uh, listen, uh, I understand what it looked like earlier in the year. I expect a, uh, I expect a competitive basketball game tonight uh, in the women's finals. Though. I think South Carolina may uh, may have a little bit too much, but I think the uh, the recipe for Connecticut, if uh, – if they're right there in the turnover battle and they shoot the ball a lot better, I think anything can can happen in this game. Uh, I'm leaning towards South Carolina, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised in either outcome, but I think it should be a very good game tonight. I agree totally. In which uh, Dawn, as a coach, has coached from 2000 till now. She's been a coach from 2000 to 2008 in Temple and 2008 till now in South Carolina. She has one national championship as a coach. I'm hoping that she could actually bring this back to South Carolina to actually bring two to her, you know, her respected award case or, you know, trophy case, however I look at it, trophy room, however we look at it, right? Um, and which is a tough task with her going up against Gino a guy that she has to know a ton about uh, her playing ball or coaching in that Pennsylvania region, being from Philadelphia. uh, Gino is also from Philadelphia. Both of them are Pennsylvania kids um, in which, uh, I mean, she actually was at the doorstep of winning the national championship last year. One of her players missed a layup late in the game and uh, Stanford ends up winning the game. Um, this, this is her time right now, uh, especially while the team is stronger than UConn and UConn is dealing with an injury. And I think the edge goes to South Carolina because they have a good amount of girls that are big in the paint. And I don't think UConn has enough bodies to keep them out of there or away from scoring the ball or rebounding. Uh, Boston is a rebounding machine and she scores well. She works. She actually works out and trains with Tim Duncan so I feel like that edge is there. If they can keep her away from the rim and not let her score how she wants to, this can make this very interesting for UConn to make this a game. Um, but this this pressure is on Dawn Staley to bring this home. I, I I don't really want to put it on the kids, even though I can. But um, I don't know which other way to look at this. 
and now now looking at Geno's situation, I feel like there's a ton of pressure on him. I don't even know which one I say more pressure being on. Um, and with Geno has been to eleven MB, uh, excuse me, eleven national championships, uh, in which he he's won all eleven while he's there. Uh, he brought them back uh, so many different times in Connecticut. He's been to fourteen straight Final Fours and has actually been falling short um, in the past couple of seasons. And I'm, you know, looking at this as, as best as I can. Uh, he's been coaching uh, UConn since 1985 till now, so that's a fair 37 years uh, in which he, like I said, he's brought back 11 national championships. His last one was 2016 when they were on a four-year run where he did not lose a game with Brianna Stewart. So he's six years waiting for his last national championship. Uh, the drought has been there. Uh, after 2016, 2017, Dawn won it. So it's kind of like they both are thirsty to bring one back as best as possible. Um, I, I don't know how to, like, address the situation, but, again, I say the pressure's on the coaches. Uh, the players have to go out there and, and execute and uh, do as best as they can. I, again, I favor the Lady Gamecocks right now, but I'm here in Connecticut, so just to see them try to bring another one back to their state. If Geno could get 12 national championships, he's already ahead of John Wooden. I think he's uh, I think it's like a hundred games or a hundred wins away from Coach K. Like he's in the realm of catching Coach K. He's already caught John Wooden. Uh, Tara Vanderveer is ahead of him by like eight wins. Um, he's he's doing everything. I I don't know. This is a very heavy situation, Mike. Who do you think more of the pressure is on, Gino or Dawn, to win this national championship? I think the pressure is on Dawn. Uh, as many as Gino has been able to pull out, and uh, as many as much success as Gino has had at, at Connecticut, I think the pressure is on on Dawn. I understand that Gino has kind of been close a few times. I know. Mississippi State got him one time in the round of Elite Eight or in the Final Four a couple of times or whatever. Um, and it's not like Gino to get to that point and get knocked off, but he's got all his pieces back in place. He's not the number one team in the country, though. He wasn't the number one seed. He just beat the number one seed in, um, in Stanford in the Final Four, and I think another number one seed in NC State to even get there. And so, to me, as much as uh, the UConn fans are starved for a championship and they want to win another one, they've had one there recently. Uh, listen, Don Staley has turned this Carolina program into a powerhouse of a program. They're always there. They're always ranked high. Uh, they're always right there in the championship discussion. But you just said it earlier. Right now, as a coach, he's got one title. Now, she hasn't been doing this as long as some other coaches, but she's got one title, and she's had multiple teams that were number one ranked uh, at this point or pretty close to it in the season or, you know, played all the way through to a really high seed like they have. So uh, you can make an argument that 
maybe South Carolina should have found a way to get away with more than just the one uh, national title, but they have all the pieces. They have uh, the consensus ranked number one team in the country. They only have one real bad uh, loss this year that they weren't supposed to lose. And so to me, I think the pressure is on Don Staley uh, to close the deal and get bring another national championship back to Columbia, South Carolina. To add to that wall to further add your legacy on you know on this sport. Uh, listen, don't say it's going to be a Hall of Fame coach regardless, but but to me, more pressure there than on Gino. Um, it's it's difficult. Um, both of them have a ton of pressure on them. I agree. Dawn has more of the pressure because I think she needs more than one. Um, especially with the talent that she has right now, I think she has more talent. Uh, in South Carolina than Geno has right now in Connecticut, but it's just something about Geno's system and the way that he makes this work makes it extremely competitive uh, to go against a lot of these teams in the nation. Uh, however, everybody wants Dawn's name to like start get rolling. Of course, she's somebody that you have to consider or have to deal with on a, a game-by-game basis, uh, but they can be beat. They're vulnerable uh, in portions of the game, and if they don't have the girls in the paint actually scoring or rebounding. This could actually favor Connecticut. But, again, I agree with you. The pressure is on Dawn Staley at this point in time to try and get one back to South Carolina and to prove that she's in a discussion with the coaches that have multiple championships, which she's earned the right to be in a discussion. But now it's her time. She has to get it done. And, Gino, <laughs> what what stronger of a situation to go up against somebody that's been perfect in a national championship game, even though he doesn't have the team that he wants. But you still have to worry about Paige and Fudd and the girls that he has still lined up that's still going to do battle and fight tooth and nail for him at the end of the day. Okay, so the next one we have here is a game that we're all waiting for, Christmas, which takes place tomorrow, the national championship between the University of North Carolina and Kansas University. Um the stars are lined up. Mike, what do you think about the matchup that takes place tomorrow? Hubert Davis's first time coaching this first season. He's gotten to a national championship with Roy Williams's team. And Bill Self finally getting back to a national championship. Can he win his second is the question. Your thoughts on how this goes down. So I think the pressure lies on Bill Self, right? Like, you've got one. That's all you've been able to pull off. You've been a number one seed. You've played your way all the way through. You haven't met the Lehigh's or the Bucknells or the Sisters of the Poor or anybody else find a way to upset you. You've played two seed. Uh Bill, you have taken care of Coach Self. Nice job. You're there. You've made it to the biggest stage. You've made it to Monday night. Now you have a chance to close with your second national title. Um, Pressure squarely on his shoulders. Um, Can he pull another one out in Lawrence, Kansas, and give them their second national title in the last, uh, actually, technically would be their third, 
national title here in the last uh, 45 years, 44 years or so, uh, 34 years or so. So that, that's, that's, uh, that's where we are when it comes to Kansas. Uh, to me, once again, pressure, pressure's on them. North Carolina, you kind of playing with house money. Uh, pressure's off in some ways. I mean, obviously you want to win the title. You want to close the show uh, with the championship. They've knocked off their biggest rival in the, in the semifinal game um, to make it to this stage. Uh, they probably won a couple games that they, they might not have been supposed to win, but they are here. And it's quite clear by their performance at Cameron late in the year and their performance again last night. People might have told them what part they were supposed to play, uh, but they're not anybody's, uh, you know, they're not bowing out for anybody. Um, they showed Coach K. They weren't going like that. And so I, I think this should be a tough matchup. I think it, it should be competitive on both sides. Uh, Kansas cannot get in the, you know, they they need to keep those bigs out of foul trouble. Um, don't mess around and lose your concentration like they did some uh, yesterday in that Villanova game, even that basketball is a game of runs. Uh, listen, the longer North Carolina hangs around in this game, the more I think those guys really start to believe and the more they could really be a problem for the Kansas State Hawks. Like, I, you know, my my gut tells me that they're the healthiest and that Kansas may be the – Kansas may be the best team on paper. But they don't play them on paper, so, I mean, anything can't happen. I'm, I'm excited for this basketball game, though. This this is tough because uh, the way I grew up, it was always, you know, favorites or underdogs. And when I I remember one of my first championships I ever won in basketball, my coach just just inspired us saying, "You guys are the underdogs. The other team that you guys are playing, they're they're the favorites, and everybody thinks they're going to beat you. And you got to go out there and beat them. Like get the game back from them. They they had they had a, a guy that could shoot like crazy, and they had a guy that could rebound and that everybody in the league was talking about we couldn't beat them, and we beat the mess out of them really bad, like real bad. And it's like you can never question the heart of the champion. And not just pinning that to me or the team that I grew up on, but it's like knowing that a team may have the extreme edge on you, you never know how this could end up panning out. So I look at this situation where I feel like Kansas is the favorite, North Carolina is the underdog, but Vegas has this at four. Like this is very close. Like, I don't know what Vegas is up to. It's scary. I think a lot of the pressure is on Bill Self to bring another one back, especially with him having so many All-Americans go to that respective university and not bringing anyone back other than the year that they knocked off Derrick Rose. And I think that was more of a less talented group than he's ever had across the board while he was, whether he was in Illinois or if he was in uh, Kansas with the Jayhawks. So. So I'm, I'm looking at this as a, an interesting matchup, to say the least. Um, I'm going to throw my winner out here. I say Kansas wins this game. As much as I want to see North Carolina come up with the upset, like, just like I said with the 
the underdog. I'm putting the pressure on North Carolina to get it done. If Hubert Davis pulls this off and knocks off Bill Self, one, I'll tip my hat again and, and give you a total apology all throughout the week. And two, William Self, it will not be comfortable for you for the next 365 days. I will make it tough every single step I take to talk basketball about Kansas and the debacle of them falling short at the doorstep of the biggest dance of them all, the national championship. Uh, Mike, is there anything else that you'd like to add to this game before we start shutting things down? No, I mean, I think this is uh, put up or shut up for Bill Self. Like, you know, I said this last night in the shop. Like, if he's able to pull it out this year, he would have definitely – Definitely earned it. Uh, I mean, listen to a number one seed, but he would have beat, for my money, the guy that is the best coach in college basketball in the semifinals. And then, you know, you're you're playing the winner of the North Carolina-Duke rivalry, uh, who's coming off a a pretty high high from winning that game uh, on Saturday. So, uh, listen, if if he does win it, he'll earn it. If he... If he doesn't, there will be more questions. Uh, as we've talked about many times, there's been a lot of All-Americans and a lot of stars come through that program, and you feel like you should have a little bit more to show for your work than just that one national title. So this is your opportunity, where they said back in the day, with Mateen Cleveland, one shining moment. Uh, Coach Self, let's see if, uh, let's see if you can take it or if, uh, the North Carolina Blue will uh, will upstage you, and, and and the sun will shine on Chapel Hill tomorrow night. So, fun storyline to watch, and and you can definitely rest be rest assured that tomorrow evening, uh, you know, my plans around uh, will will involve you know a national championship basketball game, television, and. And some grub and just enjoying the culmination of a, a, a very good NCAA basketball tournament. Okay, and I need a plug and close out as we shut things down here at the brunch. Man, much love to uh, to UTP. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure uh, and a pr- privilege to be here. Shout out to the rest of the chefs as well. Uh, on sportscitychefs.com. You can check out our articles, our finger foods. We have some merchandise as well. We have uh, signature shows like the brunch on Sunday mornings. We got the, the timeless uh, the cookout on Wednesday. Club buffet coming this week. Uh, football front office show every other week until uh, we get to draft time as well. Lots of cool things going on. Listen, in the barbershop, we're over halfway uh, there we're over nine and a half K. We got about three and a half weeks into our birthday, uh, a little bit more than three weeks. So, uh, barbershop turns a year old on April 25th, and we're trying to get to 10 K by our birthday. We're very close. We've been talking about being able to hit that mark for a while. Uh, lots of people popping in checking out what we do, following us and sharing and and spreading the word. So uh, come, if you've been doing so, thank you. If you haven't yet, please come by and check out the shop and do so and help us continue to spread the word better than any sports talk, better than anything else you're going to find. And listen, if it's, uh, 
If, if it's come across your ESPN notification or your Bleacher Report or anywhere else on your phone, uh, the odds are very good, 99 times out of 100, that we are already starting to uh, discuss that in the barbershop. So you can hang out some of your day, keep us on the background, and or even if uh, you just got a few minutes driving from one place to another, come by, check out uh, Timeless and Groove and everybody else in the barbershop and everything going on there. Uh, stay informed, stay entertained, and continue to be part of the communities that we have. And like, like I said, man, always pleasure and a privilege. Much love to my brother TP and Lazy Levon Tomule, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. SportsCityChefs.com. Check out the website, the interviews, the blogs. The chefs will be back throughout the week. Again, Christmas takes place tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. University of Connecticut takes on South Carolina. And tomorrow, Christmas will be ending around midnight, maybe. I'll say that. But the University of North Carolina goes up against Kansas University. The the stars are aligned. The stage is set. I have nothing else to go off of. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the Sports City chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.